With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, final hour is here for the Monday edition of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Streaming live at OutKick.com and glad you're tuned in on this great radio station. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We've got two divisions that seem wide open in the AFC, the AFC South and the AFC North. There's a three-way tie in the AFC North where you've got three teams at two and two uh, with the Bengals the only team to win this past week in the AFC North. And meanwhile, the Titans' victory over the Colts and the Jags falling to the Eagles – both of those teams are two and two. And meanwhile, for whatever reason, Vegas still looks at uh, that the Titans and Colts as being very even despite the head-to-head matchups where the Titans now have won five of the last six and they've won four straight games in Indianapolis in this series. Which used to be a hellhole for them. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Absolutely. <laughs> the, hellhole for a lot of people. Yeah, playing. Now they're trying to... Just, you know what the the hellhole is the the sun coming through the roof. It's uh, a terrible and trying to TV watch, watch the game whenever they decide to open the roof. It's already bad when they close it. They've had it now open two consecutive weeks. Last week against Kansas City. This week against the Titans. I know you were and, a little incommunicado. I was going to text you like, who the hell is the nickel here? I can't see. Uh, it's it's uh, a terrible watch on TV. Yeah, it the really glare is. the glare is a huge issue. It's not as it's not as bad in person. Uh, well, the, the angle is a little bit different in person. Uh, the, the TV camera, angle is very hard. It is very hard are to so high see. Up that it, it's uh, it's it's difficult. It's not ideal for television uh, viewing, and I don't know why you position a stadium in that direction if you plan on opening the roof yeah. based on the sun it, it in the middle of the day and the in, in the fall. There were throws to the going right to left to the left side of the field in the second half that I had no clue if it was caught or not. I was waiting for the crowd reaction on television to tell me if it was complete or not. <laughs> I think it, it really just is. went into a I mean it was it was like looking up in the sky at a fly ball without sunglasses on and going blind immediately. Yeah. It was that bad. I, I feel completely comfortable saying it's the least enjoyable NFL television viewing experience when those shadows are on that field. I talked about this a little bit yesterday on a, on a show uh, locally in Nashville, but uh, the field turf and then indoor stadium, the mix of the two, lead to some of the worst viewing aesthetics in all of sport. Uh, Indy is top of the list. I put Houston on that list. Dallas. There are certain games that I watch and I think there's nothing enjoyable about this. But yet, I can turn on Lambeau Field and watch that game yesterday afternoon and love it. I can watch games. I think Carolina still has natural grass. But even the yeah. Carolina Last game looks there, different because it's on natural grass. Football is a sport meant to be played on grass. 
and watching it on television, those games played on grass look far better More than the ones pleasing. that are just antiseptic, yep. indoor stadium, and Colts are top of the list for horrible viewing experience. Geno Smith's playing well. Seahawks are 2-2. Two and two. Cooper Rush continues to win. He's 4-0 as the starter, 3-0 this season as the starter. And now they get a chance another week. You can slow play this a bit because your, quarter, your backup quarterback's not turning the football over. Your defense playing at a very high rate. And while we're going to see reports that Dak Prescott could play this week, maybe you don't push it. Maybe you, you don't hit the panic button you know, and eject Cooper Rush out of there so quickly, not because he's far better than Dak Prescott's playmaking ability, but because they're winning games and you've got a guy with a, th- a throwing hand where his thumb was all messed up and he had surgery. I would want to slow play this as long as I could, as long as the results remain the same. They're playing at the Rams this week, though. That could be, that could be one of the reasons why Jerry Jones wants him back in there. I'd be wary of rushing. I mean, you say that about a lot of injuries, but, you know, hardware in the hand. I just remember the way Steve Young reacted Yeah, um, you on, said on that Monday night countdown. They were like, I can't remember who he was talking with, but there's another quarterback, and they were joking about, yeah, yeah, you ever heard of a guy coming back quick and being the same with something in his thumb there? And they were, like, yucking it up about it. Like, it was, they found it laughable. Well, that – Chad, you mentioned earlier about Jerry joking about the quarterback controversy. The quarterback controversy is not going to happen now. It will happen if Dak Prescott comes back and there is a clear issue with his thumb throwing the football, right? Or well, holding the yes. football. What, what and and then they're going to be going back to, well, everything Rush was fine turning with it Cooper over. Rush. It eliminates all urgency to rush him back. I think is what it does. We're fine. He's 3-0. and I mean, let's keep riding this thing out. You get – there's no controversy, but you get completely healed. Yeah. If it takes an extra week. Because before – if they're you know struggling along and, boy, the playoffs are looking tougher and tougher right now, I got to get back in there, you rush Dak back. Or he wants to rush himself back quicker. Now you can get in his ear and say, dude, go rehab. Get this thing right. We got a guy in here winning games right now. Your job's not in jeopardy. You're the starter when you come back. But this makes it a little bit more it makes it easier for him to take his time and get completely right. I think they give him another week. And in week six, they are on the road in Philadelphia on Sunday night football. Which is that's massive. his return. Dak is Dak will be back in Philly. That is a if they're they, Big game. They, they never put him on injured reserve. They say that everything's going well. I don't know if they would tell us if it wasn't, but if, I don't know. Jerry they, just again, might. <laughs> yeah, he might. Therefore, I think they give him one more week. They see if they can get one more win on the road against the Rams. Rams will be on a short week. They're playing tonight on Monday Night Football against the 49ers. And maybe you can get by for one more week with Cooper Rush as your QB. Um, we don't know how long Tua Tagovailoa will be out. He's not going to play this week for Miami. He was knocked out of the game uh, last Thursday night, and then we saw – There's, I mean, there, we went through the list. There's a number of players in concussion protocol going into week five that, you know, going into week four, this wasn't a big headline. Now it is based on the protocol itself. Over the weekend, the NFLPA has the ability to fire, to terminate the contract of Either the independent – Well, they're the one who evoked right. it. They, they can terminate a contract of the independent neurologist, and they did so in Miami's case. Uh, the PA did. 
And then you have both sides, the NFL and the NFLPA, saying that they are going to make changes to the language of protocol, the concussion protocol, where the 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 phrase that they're going to put into the protocol, which I don't know why isn't already a part of concussion protocol to begin with, is if, if a player exhibits gross motor instability, he's not going to be allowed to return to the game. No Meaning, matter what. Meaning, the average fan that's very confused by this, we all saw against Buffalo, Tua get up and then hit the deck, and the team even tweeted, uh, he's being evaluated for a, a head injury. He goes to the halftime locker room, comes back, plays the second half. Then we see what happened in Cincinnati. And I think everyone just saw it and said, that looks like a concussion. I'm no doctor. It looked like the guy had a concussion. The... Uh, the uh, the headlines were jumping to there's some type of cover-up to this where they lied about it and he's back in the game. Where I, I, I trust that the protocol was followed and I allow for the protocol to be wrong, but this, this is what the league, the league of denial, had in place. This is what the player association has in place. And prior to even kickoff against Cincinnati, you had a vice president... Uh, of the uh, of the NFL say that to that point everything that they looked at they believe was followed properly based on the protocol. I don't know how the phrase gross motor instability needs to be inserted into a concussion does, protocol. It, well, it, it, it was doesn't. there, but the, there there's a loophole around it that you could judge that it was not the result of a concussion. And now it doesn't matter they're automatically going to presume in this new world that it is the result of a concussion. So what they concluded, the presumption is, the conclusion from the Buffalo game was, it was his back and his ankle. And that's what he and the team concluded. Ultimately, now, the uh, team physician does... Th that, that, I, that is not, to me, the conclusion with that, because they fired the guy. If he followed the protocol and it was actually his back... They would say, "Okay, gross motor instability." No, the pro we didn't have it in place where that autom automatically eliminated you. No, the protocol was play. followed. He misdiagnosed a concussion. Is what they're doing. Let me finish exactly what I'm saying. They followed protocol, but Paul, they got fired. You're saying gross motor instability. If they're coming in and saying, "Oh well, yeah, he had that because of the back." No, no, no. He had a concussion. That's why the guy got fired. Well, because yeah, this you doctor said, you're, did this. You're saying he got fired because he didn't follow protocol. No, which no, is, no, no, no. That's I, what you I, said to start this. No, I did not. I said, if you're saying they got fired for not firing the, the, following the protocol, that's not the case. No, they followed the protocol. They got fired, or he got fired because he screwed up. This is a valuable lesson for everyone out there. Regardless of profession, there are people bad at their jobs in every profession. We cannot trust doctors wholly, completely. Some of them suck. This guy sucked on this day. He may not suck all the time. He may have been smart enough to get scholarships and go to medical school. This guy screwed up. They have video evidence of everything they can go review. This is not a, oh, I didn't see the hit. I didn't see him stumble to the ground. You go back and review the video. Hutton said it. Everyone watched it and thought, oh, his head hit the turf. He's concussed. I don't have a medical degree, and I could see that right there. So this guy screwed it up. I don't think anything's broken with the protocol. 
I think it's ridiculous they have to put that in there. Well, it's because with it the doesn't protocol. take a genius to look at that and say, you know, this guy probably shouldn't play. Well, it's broken with happened. the protocol that gross motor instability does not amount to a no go. Well, the, now it amounts. No, but what to Chad's a no-go. saying is it should. It, it should. It was. It was a. What they're doing is pointing to that guy and saying it was a no brainer, yeah. and we should have I, to I change think, the language. This guy should have known. Based on the symptoms I think, of this, I think that he what was they're doing, Paul, is taking away the chance at a guy screwing up this egregiously. Right. By saying any gross motor instability, I don't care what you say. They're coming out of the game, even if you're claiming it's for his back, which, oh, by the way, it wasn't for his back. The protocol was followed. I don't think the protocol was broken. I think this guy that allowed him to come back in well, and claim it was a back injury a is broken. But a couple of things. He doesn't allow him to come back in. Ultimately, believe it or not, the team physician makes the call. I find that hard to believe, but they gave that power back to the team physician. Now, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people who say it's hard to believe any team physician, Dr. Child said this, yeah. that would go against a consensus opinion. But ultimately, the team physician has the, the final call. It's kind of like a, a GM on personnel. Um, but uh, the other thing here is uh, part of the reading of this, it's, it's kind of stupid, the gross motor instability. The reason it wasn't a hard no-go is because they were leaving room for something like a guy trips uh, over somebody or something, and they didn't want that to be a no-go like if you're coming back from having hit your head and you get up and you trip over somebody, right. they don't want that to be a hard no-go. But now that would be a hard no-go. So you might see a guy I trip don't. and end up out of the game because they call it a hard no-go. I think, I think that's a stretch, though, because the, we're, those are two different things. Like tripping over a foot and not being able to stand on your own or walk on your own, that's gross motor instability. The other one's tripping. I mean, you can look at well, video and tell the difference between well, the, the two. The protocol itself, though, so this is where there is a gray area for where it puts people. It, it's it, it's not the same because we're talking about head injuries here, but it put it's like a, a judgment call for for officials in some cases. It puts them in a really bad situation sometimes. Last night. On a weekend where there was clearly an emphasis placed on this, Cameron Brait, I mean, Collinsworth and Tarico pointed out it's in a two-minute drill, so everything's moving very fast. He, he's wobbly getting up, goes to the sideline, re-enters the game, and they were, uh, uh, there were multiple people asked about this, I believe, post-game, but the, the Tampa said, look, no one called down from up top to let us know that he needed to be evaluated. So he went back in the game because he's back in the whole series of two-minute drives, and they're trying to get something going right before halftime. Now, he's ruled out at halftime. It took them a while, but they finally called down and removed him from the game. But there will be a situation where the protocol itself is the eye in the sky is calling to the sideline saying, hey, and I mentioned this last week, no one was pointing out the independent they're, – they're, can be two guys. There can be a guy on the sideline and a guy up top. And there's always two guys a guy up top. top. I think one and for each team. They're scouting to figure out. Okay, this guy, this linebacker, just met this guy in the in a in the hole, and you know he he played another down, but we need to get him out of there and, t- and check it out because we we went back on the replay and we've got it. That happened last night. I think there was some criticism of the the Bucks allowing break back in. I think that will happen 
with this. And there will be people that are held to a standard that you just can't get to. I mean, unless you're going to stop the game and actually review a hit like that in a two-minute drill, you're not going to catch all these. It's, it's not foolproof just because the doctors screw up and we're going to point to the doctor for screwing up the, the evaluation. Not the protocol, but the evaluation. The protocol itself is masking an issue for a contact sport. Also, And th- we will see what happened last night. And I don't really think there's a way out of it unless you're stopping every play for a certain amount of time before you roll the clock and allow those guys to survey what they saw. Also, it, Which they're not going to do. I, I don't know what happened. I still suspect a screw-up. But it doesn't have to be a screw-up. The person I talked to who kind of talked me through some of what goes on said it, it's possible that a guy, you know, in the, in the time it takes to do the whole thing, mm-hmm right, in the test part, even if you're taken back into the locker room, that you clear up enough that you can pass the testing that they give you and everything and that ultimately then what they're relying on is what you say. And if you lie, you can get yourself back on, on the it, field. It's, it's also and then not, what often it's happens... It's not just lying, by the way. You can be out of it and not know not, what you're no. saying. Okay, that or, or you lie. And then oftentimes when the guy lies... Then Monday or Tuesday, he comes in and, and reveals that he has a symptom. And that, that comes from guys in the locker room saying, hey, man, you, you got to say something about that. Or your family being scared and saying, hey, you got to say yeah. something about that. And then all of a sudden on Tuesday, you're in the concussion protocol and it comes to light, but it didn't come to light on, on Sunday. But that ultimately there are guys who could make it back into games if they're not honest or, Chad, to your point, clear-headed enough to say what's going on. I think in this day and time, guys, if they're not clear-headed enough, probably have some sense that something's up. Um, and and you can't well, you can't stop them from doing yeah, that except the self-awareness unless thing. You're pulling, but in this case... The, the difference is everybody knows the play that we can refer to with Tua. And then what happened right after when he got up and then could not stand to get back to the huddle. Here's an interesting there thing are, that... Uh, there are multiple guys, and we've seen them, where they go into concussion protocol, but we can't go back in the game and even find the play where the guy got deemed. Right. Or it's just a so, regular tackle that somebody yeah. winds up with. Here's another thing that the PA, Florio wrote this, that the PA intends to ask... If it was, in fact, his back, or he said it was his back, I think most of us are picturing like back spa- lower back spasms. But if you say, hey, it's my back, and you uh, had that uh, motor, motor, motor instability, instability, they should be examining your back for that. That's serious, too. It's not concussion, but it's something with your back that's causing you to have that gross motor instability, which is also a serious medical issue. So did they then say... Well, we need to look at his back to see what's causing this gross motor instability. Or do they just say, oh, it's not a concussion back in the game? Well, that's what they said whenever he was allowed back in was he, it, he was uh, allowed to return after uh, his, his back issue. But that, the Rappaport put that out in real time as to why they allowed him back in. Right, but I, you get the distinction I'm drawing between like a back spasm that buckles your knees versus some neurological back issue. That yeah. would be yeah, yeah. kind of akin to Connected a concussion. To well, see well, now, but now we're going to start seeing it, what the, what you don't want to happen, and you want to err on the side of caution, but you also don't want guys getting pulled from games constantly where it's not where, where it's no 
it's nothing more than an injury they would play through. Anything but a head injury. Yeah. You know, you've got Justin Herbert who can barely walk around two weeks ago and he's got cracked rib cartilage. But if he hits the deck, is that gross motor instability? Absolutely it is. It's going to look like that. Well, yeah, right. It's going to look like that. Well, and that's where there are how many cameras at NFL games. I mean, it's going to take looking at video and seeing all the angles and seeing the players. What you have to cut out is just this obvious thing happening that's not caught. That's what the league's looking to do. There's no way to make it perfect. Guys are going to get their head dinged. They're going to get concussed. This is going to happen. Something's going to happen at the uh, in-line play that may get missed because someone yeah. is good at covering up the way they're walking back to the huddle. And you can't see what's going or, on. Or you can't see it. But get get a couple more people watching where you have assignments. If you're watching this group, you're watching this group, you're watching players every play. And I don't want it to be overly punitive that, hey, this guy – make it obvious. And on the obvious ones, they go – Give them two doctors to see just in case the one sucks like the guy in Miami that got fired. Give him a second opinion right there. Let him go through two to find out what happened. And then if it's, hey, it's nothing, it's clear it's nothing, you put him back in the game. But what the league is trying to avoid is something obviously missed like this. Like you saw on, on Sunday with, with Tua, get rid of that and then make it safer for the players. But it's never going to be perfect. My big point here is, I really think this is not as much about protocol. They're going to change it, which could be for the better. That's great. This is a doctor just not doing their job. Well, well. I just want to be devil's advocate for a second. And I, I, I generally on the same page as you here, Chad. But the NFLPA could very conveniently just fire this guy and get the narrative it wants out of this, that he effed it up and, and create the whole thing. Before they change anything, before the investigation's complete, before they... They have the power to fire him anytime for any reason. For any reason. For no reason. Like, I would just remove you. For no reason. And so, right now, everybody... And, and look, I, my, my fear was that he misdiagnosed or mismanaged it. And that's still my fear. But by firing him and saying they didn't like his tone when they met with him... And they didn't feel he had a good understanding of the job. He has no opportunity to defend himself there. No other medical person involved in this whole thing is going to speak. He could be, I'm devil's advocating again, the massive scapegoat in this thing that turns everybody's attention away from some other problem in the process. Well, th- what would be the motive, though? You know, I, I keep coming back to that. I, I don't deny what you're question. saying. I mean, he's an easy scapegoat because we don't even know who he is. So it's an easy scapegoat for both sides. And, oh, now we're going to be better, but this guy didn't do a good job, so he's fired. Okay, I keep coming back to what's the motive if it's not someone affiliated with the Dolphins making the decision? Well, it, it technically is the Dolphins guy who has the final say. The NFLPA has no control over him. It, it, there's room for questions there is all, is all I'm saying. And if they're going to be as transparent – as the league's doctor said they were going to be, I'm curious to see that at the end to make sure what they're saying about this guy is true. Well, as down as I am on this doctor, I'd love to hear from him. I'd love to hear his side of the story. You know, what did you hear from Tua and what happened? I'm sure there's some client, the doctor-patient privilege that goes on with this, but I'd like to know about his process and what he saw and what he thinks after the fact when 
He's watching the video over and over. Does it serve him at all to do that when nobody knows who he is? Probably not. If his name gets out, it does. If, if it you gets feel out. like you're being once it gets out, it well, absolutely unfairly does. characterized but by people mind, like me. Like, but also keep in mind, um, the independent neurologist is let go, but there's still a team physician. There's still a team trainer, athletic trainer that was there with him in consultation that also allowed it to go. Right. So I mean, that's, that, part of that's also saying. part of the investigation. But also, the and Davey, see if you can find this. There was a, a vice president. Is it Jeff Wilson? Is that his name? Jeff something. Um, who tweeted and then McNeil, deleted. maybe? Um, it, it was either the trainer for Tua or a vice president. One, I'm, I may be getting these two guys mixed up. The VP right before kickoff of Thursday Night Football, while this invest, the NFLPA is talking about they wanted to get this investigation going, and they were kind of in it but it hadn't concluded. The NFL, through this VP, sent out some statement saying and qu- you know, quoted the, uh, the investigation and said, you know, to what they have done thus far, there's been no issue with circumventing the protocol. Well, then you had the trainer for Tua, train- uh, who Tua's been with for years, personal trainer, also say that uh, you know, ba- he was great during the week, coming off the game against the bank uh, against the the bills and then going into the game against the Bengals and that he was going to be traveling back with the uh, team with, with, with the team playing right after so uh, all of that information combined just makes it sound like the, the protocol needs to be polished up a bit but I don't know how you make the perfect concussion protocol in a scenario where you the offenses can go as fast as you want and guys can check in and check out whenever they want. It's just a it's a very it's a process where they're not going to start they're not going to stop the game. No. And they they're relying on too few people to determine these things. By the way, I, I'm sure Alan Sills discussed his talking points with Goodell or whoever, but to say it's going to be fully transparent. Right. I I feel I'm pretty confident that when they put out the quote-unquote fully transparent report, it's going to be thin as hell. This is a league that didn't put its report about Snyder on paper. And uh, I know we're lumping together multiple things there, but we know what direction they're going, and it's a CYA direction. They're not giving us some transparent report that's going to answer the questions that we've posed here. Jeff Wilson is the VP. uh, Jeff Miller, excuse me, I said Jeff Wilson. Jeff Miller uh, every indication concussion protocols were followed with Tua. And the, he put this out prior to, to kickoff on now, Thursday. Now, do we think that they're going to file a transparent report to the public that counters that if well, they I, find things that are counter to that? I just find it interesting that they put this out there, the league did through their vice president, and it's the NFLPA that removed the independent neurologist. That's my point. The NFL could have also jointly removed done it. that. Yeah. It was made clear who decided to pull the guy. Yeah, the people who started the investigation in the first place. The league wouldn't have investigated what this. Are, the league would have it, swept it, it, it under the like rug. I said this in the preseason. They've got the, they've got the heavy contact players, running backs aren't included in this, which is kind of funny if you think about it, um, wearing these bubble helmets. What do they call These padded helmets Guardian now? Caps. Guardian caps. If they were truly enforcing this and it was making a difference and cutting down on concussions in practice, wouldn't you wear them in games? Well, that if would, it was such a serious issue, hot, that would mess with the marketing of okay. the beautiful helmets. I'm just saying that they're, they're so, so nice on TV. They, they, they're going to be all high and mighty and look out for the health and safety and well-being of the players. And the players hate wearing them, by the way. Um, 
But if it was making such an impact, wouldn't you wear them during games? Well, if they cared, truly, yes, but that's not going to happen. You've Ma- got angelic light on you, Hut. I know. Uh, the uh, sun is coming through. Uh, we, we, cut out that, we cut out that block just for Hutton. Um, Chad, when we come back, Oklahoma boat raced this past weekend. Pitt loses to Georgia Tech. A&M falls. Hey, and be Kentucky careful, falls. Be careful what you wish for, Wisconsin. Oh. I've got a cautionary tale for you about my alma mater that you need to hear if you're a Wisconsin fan right now. That's next on so Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. One quick injury note that's just coming down, and then uh, we'll get to a firing at Wisconsin. Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson dinged his shoulder in Sunday's loss to the Raiders. That threw uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Of course, it's a short week. So Denver's hosting Jackson or Denver's hosting Indianapolis this Thursday night. Plenty of injury issues for both teams. Outkick 360 rolls on. Paul Christ is out as the head coach at Wisconsin, Chad. Paul Christ is out. And here's some stats for you uh, on, on Paul Christ, which is pretty amazing. This is from Matt Fortuna, a college football writer. Paul Christ, a Madison native, a Wisconsin alum. He spent 33 of his 56 years of life. In that town is either a child, a Badgers quarterback, or a Wisconsin coach. He was 67 and 26 and 43 and 18 in the Big Ten. He won three Big West, uh, Big Ten West titles and two New Year Six Bowls. And he is a two time Big Ten coach of the year. He is fired, gentlemen, after a nine and four season a year ago. They had a, a rough 2020 COVID year, seven games, four and three was his worst season there. Before that, 10 and 4, 8 and 5, 13 and 1, 11 and 3, 10 and 3 as a head coach. Now, if you want to say 10 and 3, 11 and 3, 13 and 1 and then the trend's not as good cuz you got, you know, 3 and 4 loss seasons after that and a 5 loss season and they're 2 and 3 this year, okay, I'm willing to play ball with you there. The trend this year is not good. I mean, they got humiliated at home by their former head coach Brett Bielema. In Illinois, so I understand the despair and the anger from Wisconsin fans. Was it Washington or Washington State? Washington State beat yeah. them. Also, that's not good. They're two and three on the seat. This is going to be a bad year. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. This is this is an underperforming team. They're going to have a bad season. But this is also going to be the first, we think right now, truly bad season under Paul Christ at Wisconsin. They fire him five games in to the season. Now, Wisconsin fans, they're celebrating at Packers games and going crazy when the announcement was made, the Wisconsin fans at the game for the Packers. They're excited about this. I will warn you to be careful what you wish for when you feel like it's going to be better on the other side of something like this. Wisconsin has done well going with guys they know, guys that understand the program, guys that know how to recruit to the program. They have a clear and concise identity as a football program. They went away from that with Gary Anderson. It backfired. He left for Oregon State after a couple years. I would be careful what you wish for. Um, Tennessee and Philip Fulmer, an example of this. He had two out of four years that were bad. Had the losing season, brought back David Cutcliffe. Things got good for a couple years. David Cutcliffe leaves, hires Dave Clawson. Wasn't good, got fired midseason. Tennessee went to the wilderness after that, in large part because the coach they hired to lead them back left after a year. But you get my point. It's not always perfect when you make a move like this especially with someone who's been with the program for so long. So I'm not saying it's the wrong move or it's not going to work out for them or arguing that Paul Chris has done a good job with this team. Bo Pelini. There, there are guys but there, like There's this. plenty of examples that I don't know that I'd be doing backflips right now about making this move. Now, you go out and make, you know, hire a guy who's proven as a winner and a head coach somewhere else, or you feel like you've got some rock star in Jim Leonard that's now the interim coach. Okay, great, but be careful what you wish for. That's what it kind of feels like. It also feels like Chris wanted out. He took a lower buyout. He was due $19.5 million, and reports are they negotiated a lower number. Um, you're only taking a lower number at this point of the season if you also want to abandon ship. True? Yeah. I mean, I'm, that, I'm not taking a dime less if I have a $19.5 million buyout. Yeah, the AD. Do we know how much less? No, but I mean, half would be $10 million. I mean, so I mean, he's still getting a considerable buyout, but it's... I mean, uh, college football coaches don't take less on their buyout. They get fired, and then they go to the bank. And the reports are he did that. Yeah, he um, the, the AD said something about we had a very heart-to-heart, you know, open conversation about this, and we've made the decision to move on. I, I, I don't know Paul Chris' personality that well, but he may be a guy that's, you know, like, screw it. I, I'm not dealing with this. I've done a great job here, and if you want me out, whatever. Let's get this thing yeah. done quick so I can go coach somewhere else, and I'm not concerned about the extra money. Uh, he may be one of those guys, like, I don't care about my agent. I well, don't care about anything else. Just get me out of here What would Nebraska say about Paul Christ? That's a good question. Uh, they're not going to go hire someone who was just fired in their division, would be my guess. Um, it also feels like I'm looking at every list out there that Nebraska and Wisconsin, the first two names on both of those lists, are the same two guys. Lance Leipold at Kansas, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who we just saw go head-to-head this past weekend. That they're going to be on both schools' short list of coaches. And Jim Leonard. And Jim Leonard, who's also on Nebraska's list that I've seen. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. Um, pitfalls. Georgia Tech went uh, to me. So here's my warning to Georgia Tech, who's also in the coaching search. Don't let this blind your vision if you're looking to branch outside of the norm with what you've done at head coach. You know, start looking elsewhere. 
Don't be like, oh, you know what? We can we can hang with Pitt. The coaching change mattered. 26-21 the final. Uh, Pitt this year, just very average. And so far, poorly coached, quite frankly. Uh, and what is a good coach uh, in, in Narduzzi. Um, but average at best. And look, just looking around, Oklahoma, 55-24 the final score. Venables, if you're looking to make an impression, this is not the way to go about it. And if you're looking for Lincoln Riley's reason for why you abandoned Chip when you did and you took the SC job, it was perfect time. You took the quarterback with you, and you're seeing some of the uh, the things that were left over come pop up for, for Oklahoma this year. Sonny Dykes, though, he has injected some life into this program for TCU. Yeah, he's done a great job. Uh, they whipped Oklahoma. That was funny. The All the football fans angry over Aaron Judge, the cut-ins during that game that was happening during the TCU-Oklahoma oh. game. So they got the joke going when TCU was killing well, them. Who gets to 62 quicker, TCU <laughs> or Judge? Or they just said the baseball guy. Look, TCU, I think, actually tweeted that. TCU football, are we going to get to 62 quicker than the baseball guy? They said because ESPN was cutting in with Aaron Judge, which is hilarious. TCU, great. Brent Key, the interim coach at Georgia Tech, absolutely should not be the full-time head coach. I remember Sean Elliott at South Carolina being upset when he wasn't given the full-time gig because he did pretty well when Steve Spurrier quit, just quit on the team midseason and left. Um, they got to go in a different direction. And I turned over to ACC Network to watch some of that Pitt-Georgia Tech disaster for Pitt. There were about 14 people in the stands. I mean, there was no one. Just watching the atmosphere of the Tennessee-Pitt game where it was loud for Pitt on that day, there was no one in the stands Saturday night watching Pitt, Georgia Tech, Pitt a 22-point favorite and loses to Georgia Tech with an interim coach. More than 33% of their total offense pits came on two plays in this game. That's how bad it was. Not even close it's to competing. a testament to their explosion. Yeah. 99-yard uh, plays, right? More incompletions than uh, completions. 15 incompleted passes, um, and you had 11 completed passes offensively for Pitt. Well, and, uh, and you mentioned on Oklahoma – Lincoln Riley, if you're an Oklahoma fan, looking at Lincoln yeah. Riley, they had a slow start against Arizona State, but got it together and won pretty easily. It's also, that's a little salt on the wounds when you're struggling and then you see Lincoln Riley immediately 5-0 and but, at USC. Yeah, Lincoln a team that was 4-8 and eight a year ago. And I know you're looking, we're, we all look at offense. Oklahoma's defense, the last two weeks, they allowed 509 total yards to Kansas State. And then they've allowed 660 against TCU. TCU's outburst, four plays of 60 yards or more. I mean, they are they were torching them, Chad, as you alluded to. And then uh, the last time Oklahoma allowed 55 or more against an unraked opponent was 2016, and that was Patrick Mahomes and Texas Tech. But it's been was a while. Was there a Patrick Mahomes in this game? Uh, 660 total yards. So, yes, there was a... Uh, somewhat, Max Duggan. Yeah, they so yeah, Duggan. Um, he he had the let's see, eleven touchdown passes in three starts. Saturday he ran for over hundred yards. He scored two rushing touchdowns against Oklahoma. He's doing okay. Not bad at all. Putting up some numbers. Hey, there's also a report out of staying in the state of Texas. SMU uh, report from uh, the Dallas Morning News that multiple SMU players that have already played in four games are refusing to play in another game because their plan is to transfer and they don't want the year of eligibility to count. 
because they can redshirt having played in only four games this year. So you get the this is this is the, uh, the year. So they don't they would rather not play now and then keep right, all keep four years year. moving forward. Freshman on that team that got there and decided this isn't for me that they can be a freshman, a true freshman again next year by redshirting having only played in four games. If they transfer they somewhere else, so is the portal still sounds like this would be a package now, deal. Or did that thing happen where the portal you can't has leave mid Yeah, you can't. There's there's dates. They got to complete the season. But this is the the, the but you slip, can leave and play next year. Right. This is the, the slippery yeah. slope though of this. I mean, those scholarships are for a semester at least or a year. So, like, coaches' hands are tied. I guess we got to keep giving you gear for SMU, and you show up for practice and. We go through this charade, or do you just leave the team and just go to class for free without playing football and then leave after the semester? Well, what's your incentive as a coach unless you think you're going to lure them back into playing? There's no incentive. I'd tell them, I'd tell them to GTFO. GTFO. Yeah, just enjoy the square incentive. You know, keep, your, keep your academics up and go play somewhere else, and we're not going to make a big, big deal out of this. Or don't. Yeah, because you, I mean, they would have to on their own and you can't Study. you can't just expel them from school, but can you pull the scholarship and make them pay? Can you That's, make the can you make the other uh, agent or or college pay for their uh, yeah their room and board it, and their meals? Slippery slope again, or just go to the car I mean, dealer. I, what what if, if I'm the coach? If if you're a coach in that situation, what would you want to do? I would want to kick them out of school, yeah, yeah. and take away their scholarship. That's absolutely what should be done, but it won't be because they don't want to be seen as that coach that does that for recruiting purposes. So in this situation, those kids, the players, well, have all the power. Are they? Are they? I don't know who the players are. Are they fringe players who were not playing, I, but they're getting time in like third and fourth yeah, quarters? Yeah, I mean this, be? this story just dropped during the show, so I haven't read the names and playing time of everyone. It's multiple players. All it says, it's not just one or two guys. There were four names at the top, and then the list kept going. So this could be a roster issue for SMU, that a mass exodus about to take place. And does it spur an idea for some other people? Today is uh, it's early in the week. Absolutely it does. This will not be yeah, the you're only, at that part. This will not be the only play, player or players who try to pull this move. But this is over the next couple of days because game five's coming for plenty of schools. Yes. And then game five, game five for players can happen later in the year as well. Like you can still be a backup and you can participate in four games, up to four games. Coming up, uh, let's get into tonight's Monday night matchup. Got some bets that you can play, outkick.com slash bet and much more. Uh, it's Rams 49ers. Keep this in mind. San Francisco, they've dominated this series as of late through their defense. Let's look at the offensive numbers and where we can find some, some decent odds this, this go-around for Monday Night Football. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Rams and 49ers tonight. 
Outkick 360 rolls on. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can go. You can bet $5 to get 200 in free bets. If your team wins, you can bet right now. Again, 21 and up. Offer eligible. Outkick.com slash bet. Um, I'm taking Jeff Wilson, who's been the primary running back for the 49ers over the last two weeks, over 54 and a half yards. Seems like a low number. Keep in mind, the Rams' rush defense has been very good. Going into week four, they had allowed the fourth fewest rushing yards, or excuse me, the eighth fewest rushing yards per game. Very consistent. Um, but this is how San Francisco has played them. They run the football well, and they play stout defense. And I'm taking the 49ers running back over 54 and a half. The odds, uh, Vegas feels the same way, but you can still play this and win something at outkick.com slash bet. That's what I've done. So I'm going uh, same game parlay. I took 49ers minus two and Cooper Cup and George Kittle with any time touchdowns in this game. So Kittle to get his first touchdown of the year for the 49ers and a 49ers win. $10 bet pays off $90. I, I will take the two for San Francisco too. I, I'm at a place with the Niners where like, I just think they're going to find ways to win. I don't think they're – they have good personnel, but I don't think they're a particularly good team. Cooper Cup, last three games against the Niners, 29 catches, 382 yards, four touchdowns. Stafford has not looked particularly good this year outside of the game against Atlanta. Cup has, though. Yeah. Cooper Cup, he is uh, number one in the league in receptions, 28th. He has 28 receptions. He uh, is sixth in yards receiving. He has 280 yards receiving. He's second in target share. He's targeted 35% of their offense. And he's fourth in air yards. Davey just told us there's a boost on any time touchdown for him at DraftKings. Nice. I will be taking that. Outkick.com slash nice. bet. Uh, are we all taking the 49ers tonight? Nice. I think we are. I think we are. I, to, to me, it's more of a belief that the 49ers aren't going to fall to one and three. I just feel like they're too good to do that. I don't. I don't know if it's. Uh, I have any insight into their. You know yeah. how they're going to dominate this matchup with the Rams. Just it's a belief that at home they're not going to allow things to slip to one and three. I've got a lack of faith in the uh, in the Rams right now. But plenty of star palin on, on on both. Uh, I'm. I think it's a good game tonight. As we wrap up, I think week it'll four. be a tight game too. Then we get into week five. Plenty to discuss tomorrow with John McClain. And we will hit the college football headlines to get you ready for a jam-packed SEC weekend. That's all coming up tomorrow, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern, across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box, but uh, please be here on Lock Your Locks.